0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in our last episode, we started to learn some lessons about faith from an individual who is not frequently mentioned, but yet plays a tremendously important role in the unfolding of God's plan to bless all families of the earth through Abraham. We focused on the faith of Abraham's servant, found in Genesis 24. That chapter deals with the servant being charged with finding a wife for Isaac. He was not to look for her among the Canaanites in whose land Abraham lived, but he was to return to Abraham's former country and his relatives and seek her there. Genesis chapter 24 shows us faith in action as this servant identified in Genesis 24 and verse 2 as the oldest of his household who had charge of all that he owned Carries out his task. This may have been Eliezer the servant Abraham thought might end up being his heir before the birth of Ishmael or Isaac while he is not named in Genesis 24 there are some indications that it might have been him Whoever the servant was, we can learn a lot about faith from his faith, a faith that was based on testimony. All of the faith that we have today is faith based upon testimony. Just as the faith of the servant depended upon the reliable testimony of his master, Abraham, so too ours depends upon the reliable testimony of those who walked with, talked with, ate with, and heard our Lord Jesus. Indeed, John tells us in John chapter twenty, verses thirty and thirty one many other signs, truly, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. but these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. We also saw Abraham's servant demonstrating his great faith in the power of prayer. The first recorded thing that he did after arriving in Mesopotamia in the city of Abraham's brother Nahor is found in verses 10 through 14 of Genesis 24. It involves his confidence that God was in control, guiding him in his mission, and that he would answer the servant's prayer. The passage reads as follows, Then the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master, and set out with a variety of good things of his masters in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside of the city by the well of water at even time, the time when women went out to gather water. And he said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say, Please let down your jar so that I may drink, and who answers, Drink, and I will water your camels also, may she be the one whom thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and by this I shall know that thou hast shown loving kindness to my master. This now takes us to another aspect of this servant's faith that has to be recognized. It was a faith that was shared. The blessings expanded from Abraham's servant to Rebekah's family. After witnessing all that had taken place, Rebekah ran home to tell her family about the stranger she had met at the well. She told of his words and the gifts that he had given her. And since we are told that the girl ran and told her mother's household about all these things. She must have mentioned the servant's prayer recorded in verse 27, a prayer that expressed his faith. Verse 27 tells us, And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. Laban, Rebekah's brother, was impressed by the words of his sister, as well as with the gold ring and the bracelets, and he ran to meet the stranger. It is interesting that the ring and the bracelets are specifically mentioned as being of interest to Laban, because later on, when he is dealing with his sister's son, Jacob, he will be clearly shown to be willing to cheat and lie to increase his wealth. For right now, however, he acted as the gracious host, with verse 31 and 32 of Genesis 24 telling us, And he said, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside, since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? So the man entered the house. Then Laban unloaded the camels, and he gave straw and feed to the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. This servant, the oldest of Abraham's household, and the chief of his affairs, was so conscientious about completing his mission that he would not even eat before he had explained his reason for being there. Let's pick up in verse 33 and read through verse 49 as we note the details of his mission given and at the same time the sharing of his faith as exhibited in the details. It's a wonderful story. The passage says, But when food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord has greatly blessed my master so that he has become rich, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to her, my master, in her old age, and he has given him all that he has. And my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but you shall go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Suppose the woman does not follow me. And he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you to make your journey successful, and you will take a wife for my son from my relatives, and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath, excuse me, when you come to my relatives. And if they do not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. So I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now thou wilt make my journey on which I go successful, behold, I'm standing by the spring, and it may be that the maiden who comes out to draw And to whom I say, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she will say to me, You drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink and I will water your camels also. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And I put the ring in her nose, and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed low and worshipped the Lord, and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me in the right way, to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So now if you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Right away the devoted servant challenged Laban and Bethuel to make a decision about allowing Rebekah to accompany him to Canaan to become Isaac's wife. Their response was pretty straightforward and simple. In verses 50 and 51 we read, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. This family had only the servant's word for the story. There was no empirical evidence that an angel had guided this man over 400 miles to the right place, at just the right time to meet Rebecca, nevertheless, when Laban and Bethuel agreed to allow Rebecca to travel to Canaan and marry Isaac, those two professed conviction that the matter comes from the Lord, as we saw in verse fifty. The message of this servant rang true because he certainly had nothing to gain by lying to Rebecca's family. When asked, "Will you go with this man?" Rebecca said, "I will go." Verses 61 through 67 shows us the completion of this man of faith's mission. We read, Then Rebekah arose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac had come from going to Beelahehoroi, for he was living in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. And she said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, He is my master. Then she took veil Rebe- and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into her mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Thus the lives of Isaac and Rebekah were profoundly changed through the actions of faithful Abraham and his faithful servant. What happened with them continued the unfolding of God's plan and ultimately changed history. Indeed, any message from God, just like this message delivered by the servant has the power to touch people's hearts and change their lives, and in so doing, even history. And why wouldn't it? Consider Paul's words found in 1 Corinthians 1, 21-25. He told us, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, And Greeks seek for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Before making a few closing remarks, I do want to comment upon the faith of Rebecca. She's not listed by name among the great heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, but she could fit in that category for several reasons. Just to name a few, she stepped out by faith to go to Canaan, just as Abraham had done many years earlier. She did not take her family with her. As difficult as it must have been, she left them behind. It took great faith and courage to do what Rebecca did. Not only was she willing to leave everything that she did, but she did so without delaying. She must have had faith in the servant's testimony about Abraham's call to leave Mesopotamia and go to Canaan and the need to find a wife for his son from among his relatives. The Bible is filled with courageous acts by faithful women, and this is one of them. Now, in conclusion, just as the servant's testimony rang true with nothing to be gained by him by lying, That is precisely why the testimony concerning the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was so powerful in the first century. It rang true. There was an empty tomb that could not and cannot be explained. Anyone who denies the historical reality of Jesus and the events recorded in Scripture concerning him must explain why the apostles and other eyewitnesses continued to preach the gospel message in spite of of opposition and severe persecution. While it is true that sometimes people will lie in order to gain wealth, popularity, or power, no one will continue to proclaim what he knows to be untrue if it causes him to lose everything, including life itself. Think of Paul's testimony and his fearless presentation of it. He had seen Jesus alive on the road to Damascus, after his conversion he changed from being a ruthless persecutor of christians to becoming the great apostle paul from that time on he testified for to me to live is christ and to die is gain philippians 1:21. that is also why shortly before his own execution paul exhorted timothy in second timothy 2 8 remembered jesus christ risen from the dead descendant of david according to my gospel. It is why he wrote in verses 11 and 13 of the same chapter, it is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Thus, so beautifully illustrated by Abraham, by Abraham's servant, by Rebecca, by the Lord's disciples then and now, the faith we must have is based upon testimony, demonstrated by an unwavering belief in the power of prayer as God leads our lives and is shared with others. Thanks for listening.